Hey, it's Brian with a quick announcement before we get started. You know, this time of year especially, we're always aware of how quickly time flies. So let me suggest to you that it's not too early to start thinking now about your Christmas shopping for 2022. And I've got the perfect recommendation for all the Christmas lovers in your life. Christmas Past The Book is coming in the fall of 2022 from Lions Press. Stay connected with me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for updates on events, giveaways, pre-ordering, publication dates, all that stuff. Thanks. Enjoy the episode. The story goes that the summer of 1945 was oppressively hot in Southern California. And one day in July, the musician Mel Torme went over to the home of his songwriting partner, Robert Wells. But when Mel arrived, Robert was nowhere in sight. So as Mel was waiting, he noticed that on the piano was a spiral notebook with four lines scribbled down in pencil. Lines that seemed rather out of place for the sweltering July heat. Eventually, Robert walked into the room, and when Mel asked him about the lyrics, he replied, Mel, I've been trying everything to cool down. I've been in the pool, I took a cold shower, I had a cold drink, but I couldn't escape this feeling of being hot. So I figured maybe if I could write a few lines of wintertime verse, then I could beat the heat, psychologically. Now that Mel understood the reasoning, he looked at the lines again and said, You know, I think you might be on to something here. The two got to work fleshing out the music and the rest of the lyrics. When it was finished, they took it over to a music publisher who flatly rejected them. So that same afternoon, they took the song over to a singer whose career was as hot as that scorching July heat, a singer by the name of Nat King Cole, who instantly saw the potential and basically called dibs on the song. Almost a year later, in June of 1946, Nat King Cole and his trio recorded the song for Capitol Records and Christmas would never sound the same again. Though the song's title is simply The Christmas Song, it's commonly referred to by its famous opening line, Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire. An image so quintessentially Christmassy, as festive as Yuletide choirs, turkey, and mistletoe. An image so Christmassy that it made a fitting opening line for a popular Christmas song. An activity as traditional as decorating a tree or baking Christmas cookies and one that Bob Wells and Mel Torme on that fateful, sweltering day in 1945 probably had no idea, was doomed. Within just a few short years of the release of that song, roasted chestnuts simply ceased to be a major part of the Christmas season. Think about it, do you ever really see them anymore, outside of specialty stores or the odd Christmas festival? It's one of the few examples from the last century of a Christmas tradition dying out, literally, as we'll soon learn, and very quickly at that. So, what happened? And now that generations of Americans have never known the tradition of roasting chestnuts, outside of the song lyrics, that is, anyway, is it a tradition that's lost forever? Or do we have the makings of a roasty, toasty Christmas comeback story? I'm Brian Earle. This is Christmas Past. Chestnut isn't just a noun, it's a verb, too. Or it was, anyway, as in to go chestnutting. Starting in October in the early 20th century, newspapers in many parts of the country would publish reports of the year's chestnutting season. It was a popular family activity, like apple picking. Children's short stories about chestnutting were commonly published in newspapers, too, as were chestnut recipes. And even in one Minnesota newspaper in 1903, descriptions of a children's chestnutting party, a sort of Easter egg hunt, where chestnuts were wrapped in colored paper and hidden. 
it was an abundant and abundantly popular nut, and for good reason. Pretty much anything you can think of using a very lean nut for, you can use chestnuts for. Chestnut can be dried and then ground into a flour. You can make cookies, you can make bread, you can make all kinds of things. One of the more uh, traditional uses, and this dates back to Native American cultures, Cherokee chestnut bread, which was probably the first documented use of American chestnut product that's not just eating the nut. That's Sarah Fitzsimmons. She's the Director of Restoration with the American Chestnut Foundation, based out of Penn State University. The chestnut nuts serve as food for humans, and, and wildlife, and livestock. So the American chestnut nut is relatively small. A lot of the wildlife of the eastern United States prefers the small nuts, particularly birds like grouse. The human food aspect of American chestnut, people really enjoyed the taste because it's a smaller nut. It tends to have a sweeter character. Not only was it popular and useful, but the chestnut and the chestnut tree itself was enormously important to the economy and ecology of southwestern Virginia, western North Carolina, eastern Tennessee, and Ohio. People of that region called the American chestnut a cradle-to-grave tree because it had so many uses. It could be used for cribs, coffins, and anything you could imagine in between. Um, And that was just the lumber part of things. You also had chestnuts as a food crop, for people and animals. Um, It's just this really highly utilitarian tree, which really was an amazing uh, product for people of, um, of that area, particularly of the late 1800s and early 1900s. In the early 20th century, America was in a period of rapidly developing what we now all recognize as the American Christmas celebration. And the cultural center for all of this was New York City. The availability of chestnuts at Christmas time in a major city helped propel the chestnut from regional crop to widely popular seasonal tradition. And people of the southern Appalachians uh, and, and more rural areas of New York and the like would collect thousands of pounds of these chestnuts and ship them to the urban areas, uh, particularly New York and Philadelphia, uh, where they would then be sold on the streets around uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas time. And that's why uh, chestnuts are tend to be thought of as a, as a seasonal food. And then, for about a half a century, chestnuts and Christmas went together like, well, chestnuts and Christmas. Roasted chestnuts, chestnut stuffing, chestnut bread, chestnut soup. And then... Unfortunately, the American chestnut species was hit by a non-native fungal organism called the chestnut blight fungus, which was introduced to the United States on Japanese chestnut, which were imported. People were planting it as a landscape tree, but also because the Japanese chestnut has much larger chestnuts than the Native American chestnut tree. So they were imported uh, a great deal, sold across the United States, particularly the eastern U.S., and unfortunately, it's, it's that tree that brought over, unbeknownst to the importers, this deadly pathogen. Most of the Japanese chestnuts were being imported in the early to mid-1800s. And in 1904, the fungus was identified. You can really follow the progression from 1904 until 1950. Pretty much every American chestnut had succumbed to chestnut blight. And just like that, by the early 1950s, that image of chestnuts roasting on an open fire was not a reference to the sights and flavors of the season, but rather a reference to a bygone era. Now you might be wondering, if we were importing so many Japanese chestnuts, sure, the native trees may have died off, but wouldn't there still be enough chestnuts available from all the imported trees? There were an estimated 4 billion American chestnuts on the landscape uh, at the height of the species. 
And unfortunately, um, anything that's been imported since just hasn't been able to meet that amount of trees. And here we are, well into the 21st century with generations of Americans who've never even tried a chestnut, let alone made it part of the Christmas season. Which is a shame. They're subtly sweet, with a soft texture. They fit in nicely alongside other flavors of the season, like pumpkin and sweet potatoes. And the good news is that while the American chestnut is nowhere near its former glory, that's starting to change. There is a burgeoning chestnut culture or uh, chestnut growing network in the United States. Um, a lot of growers in Michigan, Iowa, California, we're trying to do this in Pennsylvania, New York, more on the East Coast. All of these growers, I think it's a really important thing to note, sell out immediately. So perhaps we have the makings of a comeback story. For people who didn't grow up with them, adopting them as a tradition may feel a little arbitrary. But I, for one, only tried them for the very first time a handful of years ago, and I'm hooked. Season after season, we adapt and adopt and find a way to grow our Christmas experience while still honoring the traditions we've always kept. And speaking of adapting, that's something we've all had to do recently amidst the pandemic, especially last year. And as hard as it was, and continues to be, and for all the many ways that it was and is hard, there were plenty of opportunities for moments of joy. Just ask Rhiannon in North Wales. Hi, Brian. Long-time listener, first-time caller, and all of that. My name's Rhiannon, and I live in North Wales. Like most people, my world was turned upside down last year. Without getting too into it, I was really ill with COVID, and I had several months of repercussions to deal with as well. I'm actually still recovering. My partner's been my rock through everything. He was by my side, making sure I remember to eat and drink, helping me wash and dress and all those things that I used to take for granted. You can imagine my surprise then when our Christmas last year turned out to be the most romantic and surprising that we've ever had. I'd braced myself for a quiet one as the UK went back into lockdown on the 22nd of December, which disrupted everybody's plans. On the 23rd, however, my partner and I always traditionally celebrate our own little Christmas because I work in retail and he works in a university, so our holidays very rarely match. So I'm sat there unwrapping my presents under the Christmas tree, lit by the glow of the fairy lights, and when I get to the bottom of my stocking, I think I'm done. But Matthew looked at me and said, Are you sure? Are you sure there's nothing else in there? So I reached my hand to the bottom of the stocking and found a small box. If you think he proposed, you're wrong. He didn't. He didn't get a chance. Because as soon as I opened the box and saw that ring, I shouted yes, 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 before he ever got to ask the question. He was sat on one knee, by the Christmas tree, Christmas stockings in hand, surrounded by light and love. It was an absolutely perfect end to an awful year and probably my favourite Christmas ever. I love Christmas past and I love the community you've built around this podcast. Thank you so much for the joy that you bring year round. Merry Christmas, everyone. All right, Christmas past family. If any of you are thinking of proposing to your sweetheart, the bar has been set pretty high. Congrats to Rhiannon, and we're all happy to hear that the worst of your COVID experience is behind you. Well, there is just about two weeks until Christmas, but there's still plenty of time to share a Christmas memory in an episode this season. Just record yourself speaking into your phone's voice memo app and then send it over to christmaspastpodcast at gmail.com. 
Just remember to keep it reasonably short, clean and family-friendly, and be sure to say your name and where you're from. Christmas Past is produced in wonderful Willow Glen, California, by yours truly, Brian Earle. Thanks so much to Sarah Fitzsimmons in Rhiannon in North Wales, and thank you for listening. I love hearing from you, and I try to reply to every message I get. You can write me at christmaspastpodcast at gmail.com or through Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And if you haven't joined our private Christmas Past Facebook group yet, please join today and celebrate the rest of the season with the Christmas Past family. I'll be back again in a few days with an all-new episode. Until we meet again, may your days be merry and bright.